You're listening to the Elegant Alchemy podcast with Rima Nuri, where we explore how to cultivate a rich inner world whilst creating an elegant outer one. Let's get started. Bonjour, my dear Elegant Alchemists, and welcome to the very first episode of the Elegant Alchemy podcast in 2021. I'm really excited to be back, and I'm even more excited because this is a very special episode. We have a guest, and a very special guest. I met our guest about, I think it was a year, a year and a half ago, and She did something quite amazing, which I will let her explain in a minute. I invited her today because she did something quite extraordinary. And in the beginning of the year, when we are all, especially I think this time, we are all glad that the old year is done and dusted and we are hoping for something new. And maybe you, as you're listening, you are having a New Year's resolution or a dream or a project. And maybe even after all what we went through last year, you are thinking of going big to really go for it, to make that dream happen, to make that project a reality, to you tell yourself, now, this time, I'm going to do it. And I'm imagining if you were to work with me, I would love to hear all about your project as your coach. And at one point, most likely, I would ask a question. And that question would be, so let's assume you are successful. You will make your project happen. You will make your dream come a reality. You will bring it to an end. It'll happen. What will be different? And each time I ask this question, the really juicy stuff emerges. And when I met today's guest, I was actually asking this question in my head because she made her dream happen. She did something absolutely amazing. And the first thing I thought when I was listening, fascinated about what she did and how she did, did it, was what a difference does this make for her, for her life? And so I'm extremely excited to welcome Liz Warner. Liz, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much, Reva. It's, it's an honor and a pleasure. It is. Uh, the honor is all mine. Um, we met about, I think it was a year and a half ago, something like that. Exactly. And you were in the middle of your big project. And without further ado, can you tell our elegant alchemists about your big project? Because I'm sure you can talk about it much better than anyone else in the world. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, you kind of give a great um, beginning intro. We met, I think it was October of last year, and maybe the October for, before that, October 2018, I had just gotten married. I was on my honeymoon. I was working at a company. I didn't particularly enjoy my, my job. And I felt really ready to jump into some kind of crazy life-changing adventure that somehow involves spending as little as time as possible in my so-called comfort zone. And I sort the of... honeymoon does to one. <laughs> yes. yes. 
I mean, the honeymoon for me, it was a significant period of time because it just provided this pause moment. My wedding had just happened. Mm-hmm. I sort of had this break. I was very far away from home and um, in the middle of Namibia, actually. Oh and, and, you know, I thought to myself, what do I really love in life? I really, really at that point loved running. I had been running marathons for a few years and it, it had become probably the the proudest thing in my life. And I also at that point, I started um, running in different marathons around the world. So it really paired my two passions of traveling and running. So while I was on my honeymoon, you know, I thought to myself, what could be a really big goal I could set for myself over the next year, year and a half that could get me out of this kind of rut I was feeling at my job and just in general. So I came up with the crazy idea, you know, what if I ran 30 marathons before I turned 30? I was 28 at the time. So I had a year and a half to complete this goal. And I let the idea sort of marinate in my head for a few days. And then that's when I actually decided, you know, what if I did this project across 30 different countries? And in each country, I would partner with a women-focused NGO, um, something I feel particularly passionate about. And that sort of really gave the project shape. I mean, of course, there's the running component. But when I think back on the project, it was really kind of the partnering with all these different nonprofits around the world that really gave it substance and meaning. It's incredible because I'm, of course, very familiar with your project. But even now, as you tell it, I'm getting goosebumps. It's so incredible. And I remember when we met, it was, I think, during a uh, networking event. You were talking about your project and I was so fascinated. And being a coach, maybe it's like a deformation professionnelle. You know, I was thinking, I'm wondering, this woman is shaping her life as she's speaking because there is this wonderful generosity of giving to all these uh, non-profit organizations around the world and you have been in the most amazing and unlikely countries for marathons but for me it was, was fascinating is what does it do to with you what's happening how are you transformed during the experience and through the experience and that of course as we all know when we transform ourselves that's the most elegant and most efficient way to impact the world mm-hmm. and I remember I'm not I don't remember if I if I got a chance to ask you that during the networking event but that was the first thing that fascinated me and has continued to fascinate me ever since I've known you so I'm wondering at the beginning I guess when you had this idea sort of I'm tempted to say when you downloaded that idea you were expecting that it would do something with you. Yeah. Did you have any idea, uh, any preconception, any expectations? I guess what I really wanted, initially what I really wanted out of this project, I know this sounds really cliche to say out loud, but I really wanted to do something that impacted the world outside of my own personal bubble. And I didn't really know where to start to be completely honest. I wasn't, I didn't, I had actually previously worked for a couple of NGOs and I, I didn't feel like that fulfilled this kind of desire within me to do something really big. And so that's, you know, it really came down to 
having the the running and traveling component and marrying those two, I think that's what really propelled this idea forward and and gave me sort of the pathway to to doing this this bigger thing that I've been sort of wanting to do all along as well. But I mean, like I said before, when doing something that was very outside of my comfort zone and talking about transformation, I think. I was so excited when I started planning this project and when I finally said yes to this idea. However, I think at the in the grand scheme of things, it scared me. I was completely frightened about actually doing it because I'm a very private and shy person. And I knew this project kind of in a way would put me as sort of a public figure almost and not almost <laughs> no, but in terms of especially you know I think the the end goal also with the project was to raise as much awareness and money as I could for all of these different organizations I was working with and that required me to be to let people into my life to let people into my world into this project and you know I think going through this project over a year and a half and seeing myself kind of evolve and transform and become more comfortable ultimately with becoming more public just about everything. That was, I guess, a huge learning curve for me. Something I still honestly don't feel particularly comfortable with, but I think over time it's um, it's been kind of interesting to watch, see myself from the outside kind of um, navigate this new this new way of handling myself around all these different situations. I think this is so fascinating because you mentioned you really had this desire to bring change into the world, to have an impact. And like your tools, if I may say so, were the two things you love, which are running and traveling. And the combination of those three sort of automatically led you to step out of your comfort zone. Yes. It's such an elegant way to, to get to it, you know? And I think it's such a beautiful example because it's simple. Mm -hmm. This is my vision or my desire. These are the things I love. I go for it. And then basically the lessons, the challenge and the path has sort of designed itself. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, they say I came back from my honeymoon. I said yes to this idea. I had two months to plan everything. And, you know, I think for me, I'd never, like, I've always been a very hard worker, but when it's a project that you just feel like everything you're doing about this project is something that you're so extremely passionate about. And for me, like choosing all the marathons and choosing the countries, but more so choosing very, putting hundreds of hours into choosing the different organizations. I just remember it was this honey honeymoon period, literally after my honeymoon of just throwing myself into these three passions and, and working day and night and getting very little sleep, but it was probably some of the happiest months of my life. I mean, of course, doing the project was very exciting itself, but the planning stages was also just, um, was such a beautiful period of my life, I think. Just really saying yes, feeling so scared, but at the same time, so, you know, just on this adrenaline rush of going for it, I guess, too. I think that's always a good sign when you are excited and scared at the same time, because that means you are stepping into the next phase and you are on the right track. Absolutely. I'm wondering what has been the most helpful during that crazy adventure or who has been most helpful I, i'm assuming your lovely husband 
Yes. I mean, honest to God, like he, my husband, Mark, bless him, because before we actually got married, we had been um, living on separate continents for almost two years. And really? Yes. Because <laughs> we actually, we both used to live in, in Japan. And when I moved to Paris, where we met Rima, Mark was still living in, in Japan for a couple of years. And so we finally got married. We were finally on the same, in the same city, on the same continent. And then on our honeymoon, I was like, cool, Mark, I'm going to travel for a year and a half and do this crazy thing. <laughs> But, you know, I think obviously we've spent a lot of time with each other over the last um, six months or eight months. But I think that's what I respect most about our relationship is that even though, you know, he is truly my partner in life, we both support each other's individual dreams. And I think he could see how I lit up when I talked about this project and there was no part of him was like, oh, you need to stay home and we need to start living our life together. He was like, no, you need to go. And I guess there were many points where I wanted to give up, not necessarily because of the running or the traveling, but I think what really stressed me out the most from the project was the fundraising, just because I had set this big goal. And I think, you know, there are certain points in the project where I felt like a failure because I had these very big goals ahead of me and I wasn't even nearly halfway there. And with that came a huge kind of storm of self-doubt and just questioning the whole project as a whole. But Mark was kind of always there to sort of call me up and give me a pep talk. And, you know, you can't give up. I had several friends actually during the project where I would sort of complain to them about all these feelings of insecurity. And some friends were like, you know, Liz, if this is making you so unhappy, you can give this up like of course people will be disappointed or like a little bit surprised but like you are human you don't have to kill yourself to finish and (laughs) I sort of called Mark afterwards and I was like okay you know what I think I think I've reached the end and and Mark was like you are not you are not giving up like we've gone this far so that was really helpful and I really I'm indebted to him just in terms of how much support he really did give me amazing And just as you were nearing the end, we had some world events happening. Yes, yes. Uh, So it was a crazy situation. I had reached uh, Marathon 27, uh, 28 actually, yeah. And the marathon right before all of the borders were closing was actually in Yemen. And that was an amazing race, but it just so happened that, yeah, while I was there, you know, I didn't really have Wi-Fi. I did bring a satellite phone with me. And so I called Mark and my mom a few times and sort of I was receiving news about the world basically shutting down. Luckily, made it back in, in time in Paris. Everything was okay. But of course, my last two races were, were canceled because of everything happening. I also received, I remember having this conversation with my sister and, and she was like, Liz, your project has to be put on hold, but it's okay. Everyone will understand. You pick it up later. You finish the project later. And for me, I really not even for a second felt bad about myself here. felt bad for my project kind of having to pause just because obviously there were bigger issues in the world um, happening at that point. But I knew that no matter what, I needed to finish it. 
to finish it before my 30th birthday, sort of this big deadline. And that's when I started receiving a few messages uh, from people following my project, just saying, you know, let's organize a virtual race for your 29th marathon. This could be something really big and special, and we would love to participate. So that's sort of what I did during lockdown. I sort of had obviously a lot of time on my hands. And I also told myself, you know, it would be great if I could get for this virtual marathon that I'm organizing runners from over a hundred countries to participate. So it really became this, this very big global event that I, I, again, had no idea what would come out of it, but in the end I had over 500 runners, you know, sign up, donate, and it was definitely the most successful fundraising event I had over the course of the, the year and a half. So it really became this, I mean, not only a silver lining in the situation, but probably one of the biggest highlights from the whole project that sort of came out of this, you know, miserable situation for all of us. Um, so that was, that was exciting. And I think a really sweet ending uh, to the end of Run to Reach. Wonderful. And now you celebrated your 30th birthday and you can tell, look in the mirror and tell yourself, I did it. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, still, it still feels surreal, honestly. I haven't um, fully kind of sat down and processed it. I think because, to be honest, the world is still in such a strange place. And I think that's sort of, it, it is kind of weighing all of us down in, in different ways. But no, it feels really amazing. And I think beyond the marathons, beyond the running and, and working with all these organizations, it really came down to all the people I met, of course, uh, throughout this journey, you and just so many others that, you know, I think back to my life before this project and, and I really do feel like a completely different person and I have a very different view on the world. And if anything, I have a much more renewed hope for humanity, just meeting such really compassionate, amazing people um, along the way too. Well, no, I'm not surprised since you had this amazing and compassionate outreach to them. So I'm wondering Now, when you look back, what advice would you give to 20-year-old Liz? I definitely had, I mean, like all of us at 20 years old, I think I was very lost. But I think at the time I was sort of searching for a path. Like, you know, I, I look up to my older sister. She's always had a very clear path. And I think that's what really troubled me 10 years ago um, is that I felt like I was everywhere and I just wanted a direction. And I think what I learned through this project and as I've turned 30 and I'm, you know, I'm still quite young, I still have a lot to learn is that I really do have this eternal, I feel like I will always be kind of a lost soul. And I don't think I'm ever going to be able to take a clear path just because I feel like I'm always going to be wandering and, and floating in a way that, you know, and that is my path in itself. It's not this one clear direction. It's, it's me sort of just going with the flow and, and listening to my heart and my gut ultimately, because I think, you know, so many times, obviously there's so much pressure to follow what society's telling you what to do. And, you know, someone not taking you seriously for decisions that you make. 
And I think now more than ever, I'm not listening to that voice. I'm listening to what I'm feeling, you know, what's right for me. And I guess that's the advice I would give my 20-year-old self is just be fearless, say yes, and listen to your gut because I firmly believe that that's, you know, the pathway we all should be going on. That is so incredibly beautiful. And in a way, you know, it echoes what you just said about your last run, because it was the best one, or in a way, the biggest one, born out of a situation where nothing was defined and it every, every all the doors seemed closed. And suddenly out of that, because of that, something incredibly emerged. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And, and I think that's the biggest lesson in life. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from this year as a whole is that life is incredibly uncertain and messy. And as much as, you know, even me coming from the U.S., where I feel like every American is, has a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. And while I do believe that that is really a good thing to have, like, it's good to have a vision and I want to go in this direction in my life, but But I feel like 2020 and everything that's happened with COVID, it's sort of shaken us to, to realize you need to also live in the now and what is important now. You know, obviously our lives operate at such a fast speed where it's hard to even have these pause moments to reflect. So in a way, um, yeah, no, I think it's it's been it's been good to sort of realize what's important for us and and to sort of always see the silver linings in any situation too. And I'm sure you you had to remind yourself of those silver linings a lot in extreme situations. I mean, we didn't discuss it very much, but I would love if you could just tell us a little bit about, we talk about 30 countries, but what kind of countries and what kind of circumstances you found yourself in? Yes, I, I really made it a big point to try to go to some countries that are not commonly traveled to such as Afghanistan, which I think when we met Rima, it was literally a few days before I was traveling there. I remember that one. I And I remember that I was glued on social media and keeping fingers crossed that you got back safe and sound. At the time, I wasn't aware of all the crazy things you were going to do afterwards. So I was really impressed with Afghanistan. Yes. I mean, that in itself, that one trip was completely life-changing. And I think I always try to go into any country or situation with an open mind, but of course I have my preconceived notions about a place. And I think what was really so special about that trip is I was going to travel to that marathon to run with Afghan female runners. And, you know, of course I, not that I was nervous to meet them, but I, I was trying to sort of get all of these kind of these, again, preconceived notions of what I would think that these women would be like, kind of very timid and um, suppressed and all these things. But in fact, these Afghan women runners were fierce and confident and their own, you know, they're their own women. And I think, yeah, that's in itself just sort of, you know, it was a really eye-opening trip for that reason, uh, specifically is just meeting these these people from these countries who are just so opposite to obviously what we would imagine them to be like, and to also just remind ourselves just how similar we all are across the world. And I think that's also what I was most curious about going into this trip is sort of weaving together, you know, all these different cultures and finding similarities amongst us all too. 
Do you also find that having met people from all these different cultures, countries, continents, and as you said, trying to really shed all preconceived notions, have you found that it now it has changed your way of going about things for want of a better expression? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, meeting all these different people who come from so many different backgrounds, I think um, before this project, again, I was living in a bubble. Like, of course, you know, traveling exposed me to many different people, and that was an incredible privilege. But I think now more than ever, when I hear, when I talk to someone and they have a very different story than myself, or if they come from a completely different background, I feel like I'm magnetized to that person because for me, it's just a, an opportunity to keep like to allow my mind to keep growing and to allow my eyes to, to keep expanding. And that's the, the greatest gift in life is sort of meeting someone who's so different from you also maybe has very different viewpoints than you do and just learning from them. And whereas before I think before I embarked on this journey, I think I would sort of meet someone. It's like, okay, here are my thoughts, here are their thoughts. I'm going to listen to them, but I'm not going to really empathize from where they're coming from. And I think this project really pushed me to, to empathize and to put myself in situations um, and to put myself in other people's shoes in, in ways that I had never done before as well. That's incredible. Really, it really is. I'm wondering, is there something you'd say with this experience, I'm no longer afraid of dot, dot, dot? For me, I'm no longer afraid of saying yes to a project that I should preface this response by saying when I started Run to Reach, I had no idea of what I was doing. I had no idea how to fundraise. I had no idea how to put together a campaign. I had some background in communication work and marketing, and that definitely helped my project, but I felt like I jumped off a cliff and I had no idea what I was doing. But I think, again, going forward, I'm actually less afraid of jumping off the cliff. And mm -hmm. I think when, when I'm doing you know any new project, even now I'm trying to sort of figure out what next project I can do that I don't think it would necessarily scare me because I feel like this whole notion of jumping off the cliff, that's what forces you to get really creative. And it's not something you should be necessarily scared of, but actually just sort of embrace the journey and embrace trying to connect with others who could help you. And so I think that's what I'm no longer afraid of doing is just sort of releasing myself to the unknown and just seeing where it takes me. Whereas before I was, I felt like I had it in me to do it, but I was still extremely scared about the process, if that makes any sense. Yes, it completely makes sense. So sort of you felt you had it before, you felt you had it in you, but now it has come. And now it's basically something that you have at your disposal to use and yes. to bring to whatever the next the next adventure may, may, may be. Yes, absolutely. So are you, are you still pursuing the whole run to reach or is it something that has completely closed you have you have completely finished how is this adventure where are you now with this adventure to be honest I'm still figuring it out a little bit and I think that's what also caused me a little bit of anxiety towards the end of the project is what am I doing next you know how do I continue this forward and 
you know, I think I'm still going to run in, in really crazy races. I'm still very, very passionate about women causes. And I still actually hope to, I have actually been continuing to work with some of the NGOs since finishing Run to Reach and, and helping them in different ways as I was when I was working with them during the project. But um, I do have a few other projects in mind that may be surfacing in the new year. And I think once Run to Reach wrapped up, I, I did actually sit down with myself and and I asked myself, what did I absolutely love about this project? And for me, it was always sitting down and listening to people's stories, the people that I met along the way. So I'm trying to figure out a way, I think for me, to continue Run to Reach on the themes of running and women empowerment. You know, how can I sort of develop this idea of, of maybe bringing some stories to life, maybe even stories that I didn't really get to revealed to the world during my project. Um, I'm trying to figure out a really fun way um, to develop a platform that I could bring more stories to light from places like Afghanistan or Sierra Leone or places that are very um, misunderstood by the Western world, I would say. So so that's one way I'm hoping to continue the projects and of course, um, you know, running in some crazy races, but yeah, so that's sort of what I have of up my sleeve now and let's see how it materializes later. That is really exciting because you know what what a lot of people omit once they have completed something is to really look back and take time to take stock and say okay what really what did I love about it what touched my heart what really worked well what was really what what was the the harvest Mm-hmm. of of that project and then take that as the base for the new for the next thing whatever for the next thing to emerge even if it's not quite clear and it sounds to me that's exactly what you're doing you sort of you know prepared the flower bed and now we shall see what it sounds something like really exciting is going to grow out of that no i i hope so i hope so and you know i'm a huge believer and and sort of fate things happen the way that they should. And so I'm sort of, again, the world is in a, is in a weird place right now. And I just, every single day, I, I'm trying to count my blessings and figure out, you know, what am I most grateful for in my life and sort of just continue that wave of thought. So, so yeah, so we'll see what happens. We will link um, your website down below and also your social media so our listeners can follow you and all the beautiful adventures that are waiting for you. Thank you so much, Liz, for having been on the show with us. It's been absolutely a real pleasure and, uh, well, see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elegant Alchemy podcast. For more weekly wisdom musings and tips on living elegantly inside and out, please go to rimanuri.com and subscribe to Le Petit Mot, Some Elegance in Your Inbox, every Monday morning. Au revoir et à bientôt!